Hey everybody, this is post-editing Delton, coming in to just say welcome to episode 122 of the Malthouse Games podcast. In this fine episode, we are interviewing our good friend Jesse, having a conversation with him. Jesse is a dear friend of ours, and we wanted to discuss board games with him, because when we were roommates back in college, he was playing Dungeons and Dragons before anybody else that I knew. So I thought it would be good to talk to him about board games and the hobby in general and just sit back and chat and have a good time. Along with that, I wanted to give a shout-out style uh, recommendation for you guys to go to kickstarter.com and check out Mantle of the Keeper from Strongbox Games. Strongbox Games are a couple of guys from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We met them down at BGGCon in 2021, had a good time chatting with them a few times, and even got to sit down and demo their game there at their booth. Uh, it is a skirmish-type game, two to four players. They estimate 15 minutes per player, and I think that's actually about right. But it's a neat, card-driven skirmishing game. Uh, I think a lot of you will really like it. It will launch on July 12th, so that is later this week. And I'm not sure how long campaigns normally run on Kickstarter, but if it sounds like something you'd want to check out, I highly recommend looking at it. Uh, that is Mantle of the Keeper on Kickstarter.com from Strongbox Games. Make sure to follow them on social media and you can get all the updates and things like that. With that being said, I will let you into the episode. Welcome to episode number 122. I hope you have a great time. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why is it? <laughs> what? What's happening? <laughs> Do you hear it? The the audio track? It's weird, yeah. yeah. It's distorted. I love it. Oh, we I have know. to keep it. It sounded fine on my end. That was weird. Did it? Yeah. Oh, dude. I hope I oh. hope it keeps it on our end because it that was, was like, amazing. It sounded kind of like our Halloween where I like down tune it and stuff, but oh, it was yeah. slow and down tuned and then it, it sped up. up. And Whoa, so it sounded yeah. really dystopian, and it's funny because last weekend I told Delton, we need a 4th of July song, we need a 4th of July song, and how America has been the last week, a dystopian song really <laughs> does fit with the theme of the episode. Yeah, that was weird. It sounded perfect on my end. I was jamming. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess we'll just keep that and say hello and welcome to the Malthouse Games podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host today, and with me as usual is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. And with us today is our lovely friend. And what's your color, Jesse? I am red. And red player, Jesse. Hello. We've talked about Jesse on the show before, him and Catherine. Uh, so we wanted to have somebody on the show that was a friend recently. I've been thinking, I need to bring my friends on and talk about board games because I have a lot of friends that play uh, amazing board games. And we have hopefully, for better or worse, influenced in buying board games. <laughs> Correct. Yes. That might be a problem here and there. Uh, so we wanted to have Jesse come on uh, because if I think back in my head of all the times before I got into board gaming, I always remember Jesse playing Dungeons and Dragons and getting ready for it. And then mm -hmm. I don't remember if it was before or after I got into games, you were playing the Pathfinder like adventure card game, something like that. Yeah, I I don't remember when that was in, in the timeline of Delton, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I that game was very fun. I haven't played that in a long time. But yeah, I think it was actually right after I think you got into games, if I remember correctly. Probably around the same time, at least. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, though. But yeah, so we brought Jesse in to talk about uh, different kinds of board games. So how should we start this off, Haley? Well, I do like how he said in the timeline of Delton, like Delton is something that happens to you in yeah. your life. Yeah. yeah, correct. Like puberty, it happens to you. The Delton happens to you. I think most of my friends would agree that is the case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And so how did you get to know Jesse Delty? Uh, in college, circa 2011, maybe 12, uh, I had moved to my first apartment off campus. And then after a little bit, Kyle moved in with me and we had a two bedroom uh, townhouse. And then shortly after that, Cullen moved in and slept on the couch. And then shortly after that, Jesse moved in and slept in the recliner and him and Cullen like flip flopped. Yeah. Uh, there were four of us in a two bedroom house. Given it was a good sized place if you included the bedrooms, but uh, those were mine and Kyle's. Uh, so it was a it was an, a very stinky League of Legends filled fish stick cooking home for a yeah. while. It was a good time though. We had all four of our computers set up on uh, around the walls of the living room. Yep, uh, it was a good time. It was good memories. I just remember uh, it was the moment you hooked up your external hard drive. And discovered you had a Pokemon emulator, and we all played all night. Yes. And then we went to sleep like 7.30. We all skipped our classes. I don't think you went to work that day. I did not go to work that day. I specifically remember that. It, that was like one of those moments where everybody has those college stories of, oh, we went to this party, blah, blah, blah. Mine was like, nope, Jesse had Pokemon. That's what we yeah. did our the party whole time. A Pokemon emulator for nine hours. Did you guys beat the game that night? I don't know. I do not remember. <laughs> I think one of you got close. Probably. So, Jesse, how was Delton as a roommate back in the day? Oh, God. Delton was a good roommate. He <laughs> uh, he was a good roommate. He was, however, very strict on what we as roommates needed to do. <laughs> <laughs> By that, you mean I wanted someone to help me clean. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, fair. Whatever. You can put it in your own words, I guess. But yeah. Potato, potato. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it was fun, though. I really enjoyed uh, having Dalton as a roommate. It was a good time, but man, I don't miss roommates. <laughs> I'm right here next to you. It's different. <laughs> it, yeah, you understand. It's very different. <laughs> yes, quite. But yes, that was that was around 2011, 2012. I'm trying to think, was it 2012 when we I think it was close to 2012 where we actually left. So yeah, and we moved all out. Got, and it was that same year later that I really got into board games. So I guess yeah. that leads to the easy question is when did you get into board games? So I grew up playing board games with my family. Um, not good board games, however. Um, but it was like, you know, we lived out in the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma, uh, just north of Durant, like 30 miles. We didn't have cable. We never had cable. We didn't have internet forever. And when we did, it was dial up. So like, it wasn't usable. Uh, so our thing was we would get around and play Uno. We would get around and play Dominoes, which love Dominoes still. We would get, uh, I can never pronounce this, Rummy Cube. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, played that a lot. Still, anytime I go over to my parents' house, they're like, yeah, let's bring out Rummy Cube. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, so it's always kind of been a part of, my life and then i don't remember exactly when i started playing more um newer games uh of course i started with Catan, pandemic uh things like that um so yeah it's just kind of always been there yeah that's kind of how i was growing up played i always talk about like battleship was the game i played with my mom all the time and i was the sick kid that had to stay inside so that was what i gravitated towards and even today battleship i saw I don't know if it's a Steam version. Uh, there were some streamers or whatever on YouTube that played Battleship 
and it was this version where you could have like special powers and stuff and set minds for your opponents and oh weird like this really nice version and i really want to play it now <laughs> that's cool and so for you jesse i know you said like you've always you know been a, a board game player uh what what are some kinds of things that are on your shelf right now what are some of your staples so i've been playing jaws of the lion a lot um i have the main game of gloomhaven gloomhaven uh however it is very intimidating <laughs> so yeah. got jaws of the lion and been playing that with a friend from work love it um very good we also i think Catherine and i our favorite game to play together is mystic veil mm-hmm. the the card creation system is incredible um and then of course wingspan we play that a lot too so i think those are my three heavy rotation games right now and so his sweetie Catherine is someone that we've talked about on the podcast before one because jesse and Catherine have been patreon backers and we appreciate them but also, uh, I think we had talked about they were engaged uh, a couple months ago, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In uh, March, uh, Catherine surprised me with a, a trip to Philadelphia um, to see my favorite band play in their hometown for, a, a, I guess it was technically a 12-year reunion because their 10-year reunion for the, the for their first album got canceled because of COVID. So technically, their uh, 10-year reunion, uh, album reunion, uh, it was good. It was a great time. And then she surprised me with a really nice dinner. And then she popped the question. It was a very, very good time. And who's who's the favorite band? So everybody can look them up. Oh, yeah. I guess I should have said that. Uh, the Wonder Years. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. I think you probably heard them when we lived together. But probably. I was probably in the corner going, get this out of here. <laughs> yeah. You were over there yelling at me to listen to Tool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> me and Kyle and Cullen. Me and Cullen mostly were just like, Jesse, what? It didn't convert you. And then you no, were like, no, not. guys, Terror no. and Kublai Khan. Correct. Yeah, I, <laughs> held, I held my ground. You did hold your ground. Jesse. I applaud that. Strong as convictions. <laughs> Always. But you realize we didn't even open our drinks at all. Oh, yeah. We just, oh, yeah. We just dove right in here. Uh, Let's let Jesse start. What are you drinking today, my friend? Ooh. So I have here uh, Pepsi Nitro, um, which I, we really bought because... Some of our friends were like, yeah, this is great. It's Pepsi infused with nitrogen just so it has smaller bubbles and it's smoother. Um, it also has like a really nice creamy taste to it. It's pretty good. Sounds delightful. Yeah, I want to try it sometime. Uh, I've got the classic Barks root beer. You know, Barks has bite. Uh, I'm a massive root beer fan. It's my, I think it's my favorite kind of soda. And Barks is my favorite like gas station, uh, gas station root beer. And I have Dr. Pepper. And Delton has learned he can only bring home one Dr. Pepper at a time because I don't drink pop. I don't, unless there's Dr. Pepper in the house. And I thought that I had, so I, I quit drinking pop years ago because uh, I, I used to drink it all the time. And I quit drinking probably about 10 or 12 years ago, except for like one every once in a while. And then we'd bought a 12 pack for my sister, told about Dr. Pepper just to keep in the cabinet. I was like, I'm going to have one one night. Nope, fell off the bandwagon, drank the whole thing in three days. I can't keep it in the house anymore. So this is a little treat for me, my Dr. Pepper. I understand that. Um, Delton, you said that was your favorite gas station root beer? Yeah. Do you like So it's not your favorite, favorite root beer? No, my favorite, favorite root beer, uh, we can get it at Pops outside Edmond mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over in Arcadia, uh, but it's from a company called Sprecher. It's uh, out of Wisconsin, and they, they brew it with actual honey, and you can get it in several places I found, but their just base root beer is by far my favorite. Uh, root beer. I don't know what it is about it. It's just nice and nice and smooth, and I, I don't know. It's delicious. But I like a lot of root beer. That one, if I could drink it every time, I'd pick that. Uh, I'm gonna say that root beer is also 
my favorite soda. So nice. solidarity. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, you should, if you have not, try uh, St. Arnold's root beer. Ooh. Don't think I have. Not familiar. It's it's made by St. Arnold's Brewing, who makes a lot of oh. beer. So nice. I assume you may have had one of theirs. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they have their own like craft root beer, and it is the best in the world, I swear. So. I'll have to try that sometime. I'll have to Sounds delicious. look for it. I'm going to make a note in my phone right now. I am, however, going to ask for y'all to listen to this pop open because it's a weird sound with nitrogen. Oh, I bet. That was dope. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, the Guinness cans that have the little rocket widget when oh, you pop them yeah. and they just kind of bubble. I'm sure you've heard that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's definitely what that reminds me of, but I'll have to try that sometime. That, that Pepsi sounds good. And so uh, you said that you guys like to play Wingspan and you have, what was the first game that you said you've been playing? Uh, Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Jaws of the Lion. And so between you and Catherine, who's the most competitive? I think that really depends on the game, actually. I honestly don't think I've ever won a game against Catherine in Mystic Vale. I genuinely don't think I have. Um, so she likes to be super competitive to keep that streak going. However, other games, if we play like Blood Rage, I get mm-hmm. I get pretty competitive in Blood Rage. But overall, I would say Catherine probably. Ah, I think that kind of matches us, Haley. I feel like you are more competitive, but I feel like I get frustrated more by never being able to beat you. That's fair. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> yeah. I won't argue. I, I'm just a big, I like co-op games a lot. So mm-hmm. um, my typical standard is not to be competitive. I could see that. Uh, so you talked about Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. I played that recently, at least one scenario with a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just scenario two. So it was like the very intro yeah. to that. Um, how far have you guys gotten? Have you gotten all the way through? Uh, we haven't gotten all the way through because it actually has way more scenarios than I thought it would. Um, the, the initial, I I mean, it, it literally feels like a video game tutorial. The first, I think it's five scenarios that runs through it. And each one you learn different, um, new parts of the game. I think we're on seven or eight. Um, it's great. It took us a little bit to get through. I think it was two, I think was the hardest one that we played for some reason. Yeah, I think the first five are the like intro ones, but um, it's great. I, I, gen- I have fallen in love with that game. Does, does that version make the full Gloomhaven less intimidating or does it make it like, I don't know, seem still like it's too far of a jump? No, it, I, I am very much less tim- intimidated by it specifically because of those intro scenarios because I tried to learn Gloomhaven and that's the issue is like there's not a entry to it that I feel mm-hmm. is very friendly so this was a very good just slide into it and now I feel pretty confident I think there's more in the actual Gloomhaven box that I don't know um, but that would be a lot easier to learn now that I have played Jaws of the Lion so I've always looked at it and wondered like okay I get why they're doing a smaller version, but at the same time, like if somebody loves big Gloomhaven, what's the benefit of smaller? But I guess part of that is easing somebody else in before mm-hmm. you say, now here's the real box of, yeah. you know, if you want to continue. Yeah. You could also just use the Jaws of the Lion pieces in the main Gloomhaven box too. You can use those characters. and Oh, that's cool. So it actually carries over like perfectly. Yeah. Oh, nice. So does this mean you're also getting Frosthaven? Dude, I'm very upset I didn't back that. I I like 
Well, I didn't because I was like, well, I don't play Gloomhaven. Why would I get mm-hmm. Frosthaven? And then I saw the pricing on it and how much people got it in the Kickstarter. And I am now kicking myself. Yeah. I would like to play it at some point. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. But I I understand the FOMO with Kickstarter because it, it's a big problem. I mean, that's also why it works so well. Yeah. Like, that's why the platform functions. But there's uh, like recently they had on GameFound that big uh, Castles of Burgundy edition with the fancy sculptures and the tile pieces and everything. And I was like, oh, hundred bucks. I can do a hundred bucks. And then it was like, oh, 150 and everything's like painted. And I'm like, ooh, 150. That's nothing. And then I was like, I could do that. That'll be fine. And then they were like, okay, a $250 version. Every tile is 3d. And then I was just, I stopped and backed out of all of it. And I was like, I can't, they're just going to keep doing that. And I'm going to keep giving them money for a game that I have on my shelf. And this mm-hmm. is just a deluxe version, but it's the yeah. uh, Kickstarter really gets you because I've I spent a car payment on Rising Sun all in whenever it was on Kickstarter. And uh, I mean, I love the game. We've had so much fun with friends setting that game up and playing. But my goodness, uh, the FOMO is real when it's a game you want. And then when you do back it, you realize, oh, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sneaks up on you. It really does sneak up on you. One thing I will mention, because I saw this online, Wingspan is getting its third expansion with the Asia region. Wingspansion. Wingspansion. And they are also going to have a storage box to hold all of it. That's so good. That's so, so awesome. I will probably be getting that for... Uh, we haven't played Wingspan in a long time, but uh, again, it's something I see and I go, ooh, I want it. But uh, yeah. I think that would be nice because we have all the expansions and there's just no room in the main box. Wingspansions. Yes. Come on, Delton. <laughs> Come on, Delton. Wingspansions. Trying to there make it a go. thing. It's like fetch. I will make it a thing. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I saw that on Twitter the other day and got me really excited. We don't have any of the wingspansions. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, but our uh, we just had a board game bar uh, open up in Denton, D20 Tavern, open on the square, and they have the base game and all the expansions. So nice. we'll just go play it there. That And that brings me to my next question is, you know, especially over the last two years, you know, a lot of folks have been, you know, sheltering in place and, haven't really had a lot of time to get out and about, but whenever you guys do get to go play games, um, do you mostly prefer just to play with Catherine or do you have like a game group that you meet up with? Like, who do you play with? We moved to Denton right at the beginning of the pandemic, literally March of 2020. It just kicked off as we were moving down here. So the first year down here, we didn't do anything. Like we've never left our house. We're still very, I would say new to the area and just now kind of like really picking up on finding friends and like I've played a few games with some friends that I've met through a an activist group that I'm in been playing some board games with them and then I've met some people at the d20 tavern that I am running a game of Star Wars Edge of the Empire with nice uh Star Wars Edge of the Empire is that one of the newer books or the newer system uh I guess it depends on definition of newer it's I think it like eight years ago or so yeah, it was yeah. the where it, like it has custom dice just to the game itself. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's its own little yeah. dice system. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I guess for those listening that don't know, um, that is a an RPG tabletop role playing game like Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so this actually brings up a good spot. So I mentioned before that the first time when you were playing games before I was even into anything tabletop, you were getting ready for Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and so now you're running a Star Wars game. In terms of playing tabletop games, is there role-playing versus just board games? Do you actually have more of a preference one way or the other? Yeah, in a perfect world, I actually like 
just board games better because it, it, it feels more relaxing to me to just sit down and play a board game. Role playing really takes a lot out of you to really sit down, especially if you're around people that you're not used to, uh, mm-hmm. like this Star Wars group I'm with right now. Uh, it's just people that I haven't you know played with a whole lot. So it's kind of like a weird feeling at that moment trying to like piece everything together. It's not as stressful to do uh, tabletop RPGs. It's just a lot more mentally taxing for me personally. Um, a lot more strategy and obviously playing a character in itself is taxing. So personally, I like board games more. Uh, with the RPGs, do you prefer playing or GMing? No, I prefer playing. I do not like GMing very well. I did it. Well, that's a lie. I played Call <laughs> of Cthulhu. I ran a Call of Cthulhu game a couple right, years right. back. And that system, I really enjoy being a GM. That was very fun. But any other system, I don't want to do. <laughs> I don't want to GM. What was it about the Call of Cthulhu system? Was it just the fact that you have to approach horror so differently? or It felt very loose to me. Like I felt like it was much easier for me personally to be able to kind of ad-lib stuff in a horror space rather than a fantasy space. So I felt I felt a lot more freedom in that system than I do in the others. Also the the way that the rolling the dice system works in that game is very appealing to me. It's just D100s and you roll to get lower of your values. It's very interesting. Yep. Which makes sense if you if you've got a skill and you have a 60% chance of doing something you want to roll 60 or under cuz that's 60% of your options kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually prepping for this coming weekend to run uh, Haley and some friends through a uh, one shot of Mothership, and I've been excited, and it uses a D100 system. They recently had a Kickstarter, which I, of course, went almost all in on. I just didn't do the version that had the t shirt. And uh, they're finally releasing it. They're calling it the first edition. They're calling the original the Zero because they've revamped it and streamlined it. And I think if you liked Call of Cthulhu, I think you would like Mothership because okay. I sat down with the book. I worked from home on Wednesday, sat down with the book. I have the uh, work in progress for the first edition. They get sent it out to all the Kickstarter backers, and I think it's on their Discord. Uh, but I sat down with it thinking, okay, I'm going to read through this, probably get a decent idea. And like you read two or three pages, and it says, that's all you need if you want to start playing. And I was like, wait, oh, excuse wow. me? But it's so simplified and streamlined, and it kind of had that looseness that I think Call of Cthulhu probably has. Where it's it's you, you don't you don't want combat because combat's deadly and yeah. you've got certain things to keep track of, but it's not this overly complex system and it's easier. You know, Mothership is a very alien, dead space, you know, mm. creepy space kind of stuff. A little easier to describe things in that than it is a, a fantastical forest with you know uh, jackalopes and elves with you know, fairy wings or something like that stuff's, I don't know. It is, I could see it being easier, but I think you might enjoy it. And it makes me want to do Call of Cthulhu just from the little description you told us, just because that's what I've liked about reading Mothership and thinking about how I'm going to run the game. I'm mm. like, all right, I could do Call of Cthulhu then. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, I, I thought about Mothership the other day when I was at the, uh, the D20 Tavern because they have a copy at, at D20 Tavern that I saw, uh, which I thought was very cool kind of to speak back on uh, the little more freedom you think Mothership would have. I think I think the thing I got held back from in D&D GMing is everything in that world is so set. Like elves look this way, you know, dwarves look this way. And I think in a horror aspect, it's just 
you just describe the most grotesque thing that you can. And like, that is your, that's your vision to be able to describe what they look like. And I think that's very appealing to me. Yeah, I could see that. That's, that's something that I think is going to be fun with Mothership. And I think would also be fun with Call of Cthulhu because you just start describing weird tentacles and fish people and stuff like that. You're yeah. pretty much good. Yeah, yeah. I know you said like uh, we're just now getting into gaming groups, like meeting some friends, like getting out and about in Denton. So how did you scratch your board game itch during the pandemic? So during the pandemic, me and Catherine actually played a lot of board games. Uh, it was just the two of us. We really got into a a situation of just buying almost every two-player game we could find because there was a lot of the bigger games that we had that we tried to play as two players and it just didn't feel as good after playing them with three or four and then moving it to a two-player it didn't feel right um so we got you know jaipur Mm -hmm. and patchwork and you know a bunch of those really good two-player games um and so we just did that pretty constantly through uh the early pandemic so what were uh, what were some of your favorites of those that you that you got? Uh, pretty much those two. We played Jaipur, I think, was the first one. And we really like it because it's just so simple. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, there's there's like nothing to that game. But it for us, it was just really, really fun. And then, of course, Patchwork is incredible. Pretty sure I've heard you guys say you like Patchwork. but I've got th- two versions? Two versions, yeah. And then we have, so we have the Halloween version. And every time my sister comes over, we have a tournament. And... The time before, well, it wasn't last time, it wasn't last weekend, but the time before that when she came over, we played 34 games and we tied 17-17 over a weekend. God, that's awesome. Oh, we also really, really enjoy Ascension. I'm not familiar with that one. What's that one, Jesse? Uh, so Ascension is basically, I I used to call it something and I don't quite remember exactly, uh, but basically there's a row of, you start with a deck of 10, you draw five, that's your you know, buying power, attack power, and you use that to buy or defeat things in basically the trade row in the middle. So if you defeat a monster, you get that many scoring points and some of them you can put in your deck to do some stuff. Otherwise, you buy weapons and buy cards to play. You know, some of them are suits or whatever that if you play this, you get an extra ability if you play it with another creature of that type. It's just a nice little deck builder uh, that we really enjoy. It sounds like a lot of fun. Ascension's a classic. Uh... I've never played more than the, like, they have an introductory version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I played that at one point. The game that is similar to it is the one that I have on the shelf that I really love is Star Realms. Oh, yeah. I love Star Realms. Yeah. yeah. Star Realms fun. is really good, too. But I need to play the full Ascension sometime because that's Alan. Uh, that's, like, one of Alan's favorite games. That's the game that he used to propose to his wife oh. where he got with the makers. They made a card. You can find it on YouTube, but they made a card uh, just for it. So he was waiting for it to be drawn. And sure oh, enough, wow. it worked out and she drew it and she was like, wait, what is this? And that was like the whole thing. Dude, that's wild. Uh, I can't imagine his like suspense throughout that game. Like, <laughs> when is this card getting drawn? <laughs> oh, you can tell in the video and we've talked to him about it that uh, you can tell he's just like starting to sweat and he's like uncomfortable and nervous, just waiting. His anxiety is through the roof. Yeah, exactly. But he loved he loved Ascension. I'll have to play that. I don't think I've ever played it, have I? I don't think so. It's, it's, uh, heck now you can buy like the massively super duper enormous oversized box. And it's like, yeah, every, they've made so much throughout the years that I, I bet it has, if you don't like one version, I bet you can find a way to play it that 
uh, you would enjoy. There's just so much to it. Yeah, we have we have two separate versions that we just kind of like to flip flop between. It's nice though to have options. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so out of the two player games you guys picked up, were there any of them that you were hopeful for but were kind of duds for y'all? Uh, we we picked up Seven Wonders Duel, which it wasn't as good as I thought it would be, and I don't know if that's like a a personal thing. I know a lot of people really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I saw it online, and I think it just had so much hype that I bought it, and it just really didn't fit that for me. Like it didn't meet the hype that I was seeing online. I think overall it's fun. It's not the game I go to if I want to play a two player game. I would say that's pretty much the only one. I think everything else has been pretty pretty good. Um, bought it, and it kind of really met the standards that we we thought we would enjoy it. So. It's nice when you make a purchase and you're like validated in it. You're like, oh, I'm glad I got this. It's perfect. We just did that recently with Santorini. Very excited. It's very fun. And the pieces on it are incredible. It's just such a nice little. Have y'all been using the uh, powers, like the God's powers? We've only done the God powers once, which they really do change up the game a lot. But they are very fun. We've played it like I think every time we've played has been without them. And then the times I played with them, it was actually a four player game where you had like two teams. Yeah. And it was much more fun with the powers at four because it was so hectic. Uh, I feel like in two players, one power, if it can be kind of game breaking, not really game breaking, but it can be almost too strong. Uh, but they are they're They're a nice change of pace. But yeah, that game's just gorgeous and fun. I, I fully agree. As soon as we got done playing with the God powers, that one game, I said, this would be much better as a four player game because it would just be absolute chaos. But because and I, I fully agree. There are some powers that we were looking at that we were like, this would make this game not fun playing it at two players because this is just, I, I mean, for lack of a better word, broken in a two-player game. Like, it just seems so much better than everything else. But yeah. That's a fun one. Haley, that was the one that you first played at Gen Con, and they had the giant version where yes. it was like the domes were like, you know, size oh, of an nice. orange, and you just had this huge table. Yeah, and Dalton's like, we should pick this one up, but I was thinking we were going to get this big-ass table, <laughs> this big-ass game. <laughs> and uh, I was... Relieved and disappointed at the same time because I kind of think it would have been cool <laughs> when I found out it was little, that is. Yeah, it was a very fun giant version. I think giant versions of games are super interesting and I always want to play them. I saw recently somebody that had a giant version of Suro for their wedding. Oh, uh, cool. And they just, you know, you lay the tile and you're actually acting as the Dragonstone. So you have to walk to your little spot, follow the path. Yeah, it was just like a big party. Did they push each other down when they ran into each other? <laughs> They should have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they had, uh, I've seen that they made like a giant Azul at one point in time, which was expensive, uh, which was really neat. And then Floodgate had a giant Sagrada made for them, but it wasn't something they were retailing, uh, Retailing, but uh, it was really cool looking. But giant versions of games are fun, especially something like Santorini or Suro, the way they had it like at their wedding. It's like, oh, that's a great idea to let people stay entertained. Yeah, that is very cool. And allow you to push over the groom side of the family. Yeah, just just make sure you run into that that one in law that you're just not super fond of. Just be like, I'm coming after you. <laughs> but what if it's all the in laws, Jesse? You <laughs> versus the world. Yeah. Well, Jesse, I have one final question for you before we move into a different section of questions. Okay, let's do it. And so, you know, whether it's something like competition or creativity or challenge or something else, what is the biggest thing that draws you to board games? I would honestly say this was whenever I started playing, it was, well, when I started playing outside of my family growing up, um, growing up, it was just the time where 
all of my family got together and we just were able to actually spend that time. And that translates really well to friends that I grew up with, where it was like, if we were all really busy, we all obviously had other things to do. But, you know, once a week we would sit down and be like, hey, let's play Risk or whatever, you know. And it it was just a, it's always just been a really good way for me to just sit down, slow down and reconnect with the people that I find important. Things that draw me to specific games, I would say the actual challenge of learning a game and then perfecting that game is always something that I like to look forward to in a game. So for you, it's a kind of a combination of that connection with others with that internal challenge. Yeah, I have my own side quest of doing internal challenging. So in, in terms of uh, this kind of seg- not segues on, connects to that, uh, in terms of that connection with people, uh, do you find the more you do tabletop gaming, do, uh, do you find either it or video games that you feel has a, that connection more? So it's they both have their great connections in their own different ways. I feel like playing video games, I can be more of, I well, in person, I'm a very like, I can be a very anxious person in person in public settings. Be, playing video games online, I feel much more free from public stress like that. I could be more myself, I think, playing games online uh, with friends where I don't have to physically interact. But I do think that games have their board games have their own aspect of connection where I can really feel I, I can I think I learn more about people when I'm in person playing a board game because I can like connect. Oh, they think this way. And so I, I feel like I really learned a more I get an in, intellectual connection between people. Whenever I sit down and play like strategy games. It's not just everyone running around just being like, yeah, get wrecked. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're not playing Apex Legends just trying to do a bunch of stupid stuff. It's not just us playing League of Legends 24 hours a day every day. Yes, correct. (laughs) And and Kyle's screaming at the top of his lungs. (laughs) Yeah, I get that. I I agree with you there. I think it's because I play from with Alan from Tuesday Night Games. Uh, through the Discord, we've got a little group sometimes that meet up on Friday nights or whenever someone will be like, hey, I'm playing Mario Kart. Do you guys want to play? And we'll all hop on our Switches and play games or whatever. And it's been so nice to just connect with people and like talk to these friends I don't talk to very often because I don't get the chance to. Uh, but when playing with them then in person, it is so different because it's like, I'm seeing you. I'm watching how you interact with stuff and watching how you you know, do all these different things. And it's like you learn the person at a deeper level even though yeah. it's still a connection and it's still, you can still learn from the person just being in that physical realm uh, just adds a little bit extra in terms of like a, like, like you said, like an intimacy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. Well, speaking of intimacy, <laughs> are you, are you ready for some questions? Cue Jesse? the saxophone music. <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. So what we're going to do, my friends who are listening today, we are, so Delton has typed in, well, you explain. I guess you've, you've had a number generator or something. What have you done? Because you said you're going to do something today different, but I don't think I understand. I have a random number generator. Oh, is that all you did? Uh, yes, that's a random well, number generator. Well, you said generator. you're going to plug in something to something and do something with the Duomo Flotchy, and I, I don't know what you're going to do. I was going to make it fancier, and I decided against it. Okay, never mind. I sound like an asshole now. It's, this is easy. <laughs> uh, so basically, we have answered a question on pretty much every episode that we've done of the podcast. So I mm-hmm. entered in our episodes that I have the questions. I have a spreadsheet, a master list of every game we've covered, every topic, every question, every beer, and every guest. And I keep that in our spreadsheet. Of course, somehow on number 
episode 72, I lost one of the beers. Uh, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Probably spilled it on the rug. It's just blank. Uh, but I have a list, so I thought, okay, I am just going to random number generate f- uh, in that range, and we can ask you some of the questions we answered on the show, whether they okay. be goofy or serious or whatever, and I thought that that might just be, well, Haley thought that might just be a fun one. I just agreed with her and then tried to steal her idea. Tried to make Perfect. it fancier than just, <laughs> just use my idea. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the first question here is, what games do you play based on art? Ooh, interesting. Okay. Let me take a look here. I... I have this weird fascination with white boxes. Like if I if I go into a store and I just see a plain white box on the sides and then it just has like a weird text on the top, on the front of the box, I'm like, yeah, I want that. That's the game I want to play. I don't know anything about it, but I want that. Yep. Like that's why I bought Time Stories because mm-hmm. I was like, this box looks incredible. Other than that, uh, I really, I really tend to enjoy just really clean simplistic art in games sometimes too much of it can really bog it down for me i don't know if that's what we were looking for in that answer but <laughs> absolutely no, that's like, just fine that's what like draws you to the games so they're aesthetically pleasing to you too and time stories yeah. as well like even though the the box is white the all of the different scenarios you play are are really pretty as well yes yeah the the way the cards lay out in that game are just super super pretty i have a hard time getting into like history games mm-hmm. um, or I guess games built around historical periods because I just don't find the that art appealing. A lot of that really turns me off and I'm sure there are really good games that I would like, but it's just like I it's it works in the same way when I watch anime. If I can't get into the animation, I'm not going to watch it. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is the same way. If I can't get into the like the art, I'm not going to play it. Well, it looks like a history book. Then it's not really as engaging. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like running through my brain thinking of all the history games and going, which one's pretty, which one's pretty, which one's pretty. And aside from like Pax Pamir, which just has its own level of awesome look. uh, Even the cards are very history book. It's mostly the board, like the the cloth board, the little yellow, uh, pink and green pieces. Like that's what makes it pretty. Yeah, I mean, even though the cards are pretty, they are like legitimate historical drawings that they use for the game. So, mm. but oh, great game. I need to play. <laughs> I love Pax Pamir Second Edition. It it's one of those games. I I think that a I just have a, an obsession with Cole Worley's like designs, uh, and b it's just really fun. It's one of the it's one of those games that I consider it a great game because when we're done playing or times like now. And I start thinking about it and I go, oh man, I want to play that game. I remember doing this and like, it makes me want to keep trying and keep getting better. And like, when I think about a game after the fact, that's when I know that it's, it's a good game for me. And Pax Pamir has been the number one on my list every time that I'm going, oh, I want to play Pax Pamir. Oh man, I should play Pax Pamir. We really need to play Pax Pamir. Yeah. That's awesome. Constantly. And so the next question is from an early episode. I remember this episode well, because this was the episode... Uh, right before the psychics came after me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, episode eight. Do you or would you play with a Ouija board? I'm trying to think if I've ever done it. I would, uh, just because I think I think it's more funny to me than anything. I do like the. I think there are some Ouija boards that are so aesthetically pleasing that I just want to buy it and hang it on my wall. Um, but I would yeah. play with a Ouija board. I think that would be fine. I don't really believe in a whole lot of that stuff so it doesn't bother me to do that but i would play with it is there any particular question you'd like to ask a ouija board Ooh, that's a good question not off the top of my head (laughs) you sit down to the ouija board you go 
but why? And that's your whole yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just why? Just why? <laughs> but why? I saw something online and as cheesy as can be, but it makes me laugh every time I see it. But it's a Ouija board rug, and the caption is, "What is the Roomba going to ask?" And it just every time oh. makes me laugh. <laughs> that's awesome, actually. It's that's very great. funny. I I don't remember. How- <laughs> so let's just. So question number forty nine is. <laughs> most <laughs> okay so this is from episode 49 from wingspan most likely oh, to bird we have most likely to bird i don't know what the hell the question is I... so jesse most likely to bird uh i would mm, yes uh i would i'm gonna say this question to me means which one of me and Catherine would be a bird and i would say Catherine would be more likely to just choose to be a bird than a human. So uh, I'm going to go with that. I'm, I'm trying to look. <laughs> I, I don't think we should. I think this look, was the perfect response. <laughs> no, here's the, here's the thing, though. Like, I'm trying to look at what it actually says. Catherine in... would be a beautiful bird, by the way. <laughs> oh, she would, absolutely. I'm trying to look at what it says in SoundCloud on my listing, and it literally says, most likely to bird. <laughs> I have no clue what that means. <laughs> what? Go back and listen to that. <laughs> I, I am. I'm going to have to skip ahead. Episode 49. Yeah, most likely to bird. Jesus. <laughs> all right. Well, these are all older episodes, too. Did I say 26? Ooh. All right. Episode 26. Another spooky one. Where, who, I don't know what game this covers, because apparently my spreadsheet's <laughs> all over the place. Uh, but anyway, it said, uh, if you were to turn into a ghost, where would you haunt? Okay. So this is this is weird that we talked about a Ouija board and then a ghost question came up. Your computer's haunted. Haunted. Um, right. So if I were to haunt somewhere, I mm, that's a good question. I think I would like to haunt a like music venue. Um, oh yeah. I think that would be interesting because I can just like I might just push things around, like <laughs> drinks off the table or like push a speaker. I think that'd be interesting. As of course, no one would be hurt. I'm not a, a monster ghost. Absolutely. You're not a demon. Correct. Plus, I would get to listen to cool music. Oh, yeah. Right. I was say, is there any particular music venue you'd like to haunt? There's a place that I used to go to in Oklahoma City whenever I lived up there with you guys. Um, uh, it used to be called the Conservatory. Yep. Uh, I just lost the name of what it is now. but Like Club 86 or? Oh, 89th Street. 89 ah, there it is. Oh, so it changes at one point it was club something like club 89 well, it must have changed but i actually know the guy who bought the place at when it was the conservatory there was a band that i always hung out with a bunch of really good friends that lived there we went to the same music school whenever i went to ucm or acm at uco i hung out with them and one of their really good friends wound up buying it and now he is like revamped it and he has done very well uh, making that a really good venue. It was always one of those venues where it's like, you're not going to get to see these shows elsewhere. Yes. But yeah. it wasn't a great venue. Like, yeah, the conservatory was weird in, in like, if I go to the bathroom, what am I going to find in here? Is there going to be, <laughs> is there going to be a knife on the ground? Is there like, it was, it was a, it could have been very sketchy at times. Um, but it was just one of those venues that like a very DIY, Mm-hmm. venue that was just super fun to go to because it was also just a bunch of underground shows that you never would have seen anywhere else so free knives i feel like when i went uh it was probably toward the tail end of it when they were getting not so underground bands as well 
because mm-hmm. I went and saw Whitechapel in 2010. Oh wow! Um, which was a I think it was 2010. Yeah, fall of 2010. Great show. Uh, that or I guess it was summer before college, and then I actually went and saw Mute Math there. Oh wow! I don't know what year that was. I went by myself. Don't recommend. Uh, but it was cool because they had their show, phenomenal show. And then at the conservatory, the backstage is through the crowd out the back of the building. And so, uh, Darren King, the drummer walked right by me and I like patted him on the shoulder and I was just like, Oh my God, I touched him. I like freaked out. Uh, but I'm a big fan of his, but yeah, it was, it was a weird venue. I, I can't explain it. I'd like to go and see it now though. I want to see what they're doing. Yeah. I haven't been up there since it got revamped, but I've I've heard it's really, really good now. So It always looks nice driving by. I'll have to check it out sometime. Yeah. Just go to a random show. Okay, so this is uh, this from episode 85, which was for number nine. Through the pandemic, do you have a favorite online gaming moment? Whether that be board games or role-playing or video games. I'm trying to think of... The pandemic has been so long. <laughs> I know. That, that it all kind of runs together. So me and a bunch of uh, friends from Durant got together for Deep Rock Galactic. If you've played that game, it's basically a um, Left 4 Dead style game where it's just you get a group together, you have a bunch of guns, you have to go get a bunch of... Well, in this game, you go and get materials from a cave. You're a bunch of dwarves and you each have a bunch of different powers uh, or guns or whatever. And... uh you basically just have to fight off hordes of spiders and monsters as you're mining these uh, rock quarries for minerals and things. We did that for like, it was it was like two or three months where we would just get on pretty consistently and just make these runs. Uh, and it was just super stressful because you could also just really screw your friends over if you didn't, if you, if you placed something in the correct spot on purpose, that person died. And that was just so fun to just really screw with your friends at times. It was, it, that was a really good time. I feel like those, those fun moments like that are always great. There was a, uh, uh, me and Brian, when uh, back for blood came out, it was on, it was on game pass. And there was a couple nights in a row where we booted it up and played and played. And, uh, I, I don't know if you've played that or got far into it at all. We never beat it. I'm pretty sure that's also made by the original team of left for dead, by the way. Yeah, so. I think so. But we, me and Brian got to the part where you're in the bar and you have to like start the jukebox and it starts playing uh, uh, Ace of Spades. And that was just one of those moments that I'm never going to forget because it was the most fun and having Lemmy just screaming in your ear Ace of Spades while you're just getting run down. I don't know. That was like one of those moments where I was like, man, video games online with friends is so great. Yeah, I really enjoy those. I mean, that genre of like weird horde almost tower defense-esque type of thing with your friends is very, very, a, a really good time. They're just unique. I can't count. Was that four or five? Are you down for one more question, Jesse? <laughs> I am always down for one more question. All right. So this one is for episode 75, where we talked about Zulkin, the Mayan calendar. Uh, and Ooh. the question of the episode was, and this kind of works with you talking about Gloomhaven in the beginning of the episode, uh, how do you overcome intimidation with board games? Okay. Watch it play. (laughs) (laughs) The number one resource I go to whenever I'm like, this game scares me. What do I need to do? Uh, Rodney is just incredible at explaining games to a point where I'm like, oh, that is so much easier. My number one go-to is just 
watching YouTube of being like, okay, somebody else has like figured this out who is smarter than me and they will be able to tell me in a more succinct manner than me reading this book. Um, so that's, that's pretty much how I just find one to four YouTube videos <laughs> where I can just really figure out what's going on. All hail Rodney Smith. Yes. He is a very nice guy. He's also like, what, 6'4"? Six, six, yeah. 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, wow, is he really? He's a very tall man. I, I, I got to meet him once at the first Gen Con at the Secret Cabal meetup. I went over and introduced myself. And she's like, hey, I just want to let you know, you know, I appreciate what you do. Love your stuff. And uh, it's not, I mean, I'm only 5'11". It's not like I'm tall. If I was on Tinder, I'd be six foot. So it works out. But Wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right? 5'11", not that tall. Okay. But, I'm sorry, Jesse. Sorry, Jesse. Uh, For those out there, I am five foot four. So let's just put that into perspective. But he owns the five foot four. So it's okay. <laughs> Thank you. But uh, he's he's very tall, but he's very nice. But his videos are very good. Um, for anybody who hasn't seen a Watch It Played video, I had to use that. Um, there's a game I picked up. Uh, it was like unstickered and just not even used from the BGG Bazaar last year, which is Sekigahara, the unification of Japan. It's a GMT two-player only, two to three hour, fantastic game, but it's very unique, very different. And the rule book is good, but I had to go watch his watch it played. It's like a 40 minute almost video. So I have to watch it and go back and rewatch sections and then read the book and then forums. And then I finally got it and we got our playthrough. And I was like, this game's amazing. But if it yep. wasn't for videos on YouTube, I feel you there. Some games you just have to. Yeah, absolutely. No shame in asking for help or someone to explain the rules because that's what Delton does for me every single time we play. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I explain a lot of rules. It, have you gotten to the point that you somebody's like, oh, have you played this game? Or they're like, hey, we're going to bring this game out. I haven't played in a while. And you're like, oh, yeah, this rule, that rule, this rule. Here's how it works. No, because I have the world's worst memory. And so, like, if I don't play a game for, like, a month or two, I just have to relearn it, which is an awful thing. I can at least be, like, if 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 that happens and someone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to bring this game. Oh, great. I remember playing it. I remember having fun. Once we start playing it, I will start, like, kind of piecing together, like, oh, that's right. This happens and then this can happen. Like, yeah, world's worst memory, though. So just remember one time at Brian's house, we were uh, he was bringing out uh, Kanagawa from Yellow. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's been a while. Do you remember how to play this? I was like, yeah, you got to do the thing and the this and the that. And he was like, we played this one time like a year ago. And I was like, sorry, I play a lot of board games. Just for some reason, board games stick to my head. The, the rules do. Even if I don't have it down completely, I, like I generally have to do a small refresh. But I can, for the most part, sit down and know at least how you're supposed to play it. It's a gift. It is a gift. That is a gift. I was about to say, I don't know how many times I've watched videos on how to play Blood Rage after not playing it for two months where I'm just like, crap. <laughs> that is one I couldn't, I could not sit down and tell you how to play it. Because I destroyed you once and you won't play it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was one of those moments you where- blocked it out. <laughs> we, we scored, uh, we were scoring certain things too early. And so it made it obvious Haley was running away with it. It's like a weird mm. thing we were doing or something like that. And, I, and it was just uh, degrading. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> He blocked how to play from his memory because it was just too too much. Yep, one hundred percent. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Can we can we have you plug uh, what you're doing? Because I know that you're involved in other podcasts. You have a lot of projects that you do. So tell us what you've been up to. 
Yeah. So uh, first, thank you for having me. This was a really, really good time. And it's nice to reconnect with you guys after uh, so long. So yeah, you can go check me out. Um, you can check me out on Twitter, uh, Aquanir Supreme. I don't host, but I produce and edit uh, Quantum Recast, a theoretical film podcast. I don't want to, it's a, it's a big explanation. You can go check it out. It's a good time. That's pretty much all I'm doing right now. Uh, other than that, I mean, not a whole lot. Have you not been streaming on Twitch at all? No, actually. I have, I have kind of given up on Twitch streaming. Mm-hmm. Not in the sense of like, it's too hard. It's just the sense of like, I've kind of fallen out of love of streaming for other people. And it's just like, I just want to play games for myself and right. don't want to stream it. So I understand that. I think I think my Twitch page hosts your channel anytime you're on. So <laughs> it's probably just been like the most silent page because I'm never streaming anything. Yeah, it's funny. Well, there you go. So Quantum Recast and you can I know you guys I follow you guys on Instagram and I think on Twitter as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We have we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have a Facebook, which I have never logged into because I haven't been on Facebook in three years or something. Um, we also have just lost, launched a Patreon, so you can go ahead and check that out if you would like. Uh, nice. Patreon.com nice. slash Quantum Recast. Uh, yeah, shameless plug. Hey, that's what we're here for. Yeah, and we'll make sure to put your handles in our descriptions. We'll share it on yes. Twitter. You guys need to follow Jesse and his podcast. Thanks. And Jesse, thank you so much for joining us today. We really enjoyed catching up with you. And I think the last time we caught up with you, we actually talked about it on the podcast. It was back in November. We went to BGGCon and we met up yep. at Spiral, right? Yep. Correct. Yeah, we, we all hung out and ate at Spiral for a little bit. I think it was right before y'all went back home, right? Yeah. Yep. We had all of our stuff, all of our bags yeah. and sitting at Spiral, running off of two hours of sleep. Oh, yeah. Because yes. that was the night we stayed up late playing... Uh, uh, Taboo. We pl- stayed up until 4 a.m. playing Taboo like a bunch of 17-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, but I forgot because you drove like 40 minutes from Denton down to Spiral. Yeah. I was like, Jesus, it's a long drive. It was it was worth it. It was. It was a great time. I, I really hope that we can try to get together sometime again soon because it's been forever. We'll be going to BGG again in November. Um, okay. So I don't know what y'all have going on or anything. Uh, there's a bunch of passes available, but even if not that, if we want to meet up at some point, we can yeah. figure something out. This has been a very one-sided transaction. Me and Catherine need to go up there. <laughs> well, it's hard, too, because you guys have all the animals. and Yeah. But you're always welcome here, too. We always oh, have a course. guest room ready for you. Oh, awesome. Thank you. So thank you all for tuning in and listening to us ask Jesse a bunch of random questions about board games and things like that. And birds. If you want to find us anywhere, you can check us out on all social media at Malthouse Games, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-K. That is at Squirrely Geek. If you have a game you want us to talk about or a topic for us to cover or a question for our episode or something like that, send an email to contact at malthousegames.com. Make sure to go to shop.malthousegames.com if you want to buy our logo on a bunch of different stuff. Like a fanny pack. Because I haven't designed anything else. Uh, Make sure to go to malthousegames.com in general just to check out what we've been doing, uh, uh, all of our episodes, a little bit of info about us. Who are we? How we got in your computer. And see how I'm not the fastest at updating, but I still update the website, so that's good to go. Uh, Like Haley said, if you want to run over to Patreon.com and support Quantum Recast, you can do that. You can also check out us at uh, Patreon.com slash Malthouse Games. So I will thank our big Patreon subscribers that subscribe at the level that get shoutouts on the podcast. So thank you so much to Allison, Allen, Jennifer, and Cliff for subscribing on Patreon. 
And Jesse, thank you again for being on our show tonight. It was really fun to catch up with you. Hopefully we get to catch up with you again before we go to BGG Con. But if not, I'm ready to see you in the flesh and give you a hug again. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Thank you guys again for having me on. This was a great time. It was a good time. It was. So I guess until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye.